calling in from Orland Park. Pete, good morning. Good morning, Lou. How you doing? I'm doing well. My question is, I have little black flies in my basement every now and then. How do I get rid of them? <laughs> do you have uh, what? Do you have a floor drain in the basement? Yes. And a sink in the basement? Yes. All right. Um, pop the cap off of the floor drain. Take a toilet brush. I bet they're drain flies that are living okay. on the side walls of the gunk that's on the floor drain and or in the sink drain down there, like your utility sink. So if you have a screen there, yes. too. So in that in the floor drain, pop the cover off. Take this. Take a toilet brush. Pour a little pine saw over the top of the toilet brush, and then scrub the side walls all the way around. This is one of those things you never knew you had to clean, and uh, and clean those side walls all the way down to the water that's holding in the trap. And then once you're like, well, it's pretty okay. clean. I can't get it any cleaner. You know, it's probably a piece of cast iron, so it'll be a uh, it'll be nice, a uh, clean black in color. Pour some water down there so that the um, so that the um, trap is holding water, and that solves that problem. Now, the laundry sink, if you have a screen there, you may need something called a tube brush that is a little bit smaller to go if you have crisscrosses in the drain, whatever it might be. Same thing. Pine saw, the brush, move it uh, up and down, up and down to, um, to clean it, and I bet that will solve the problem. Anywhere you have a drain or water that is held is could be where this problem is. Okay. All sounds right. good. All Thank right. you. Get to work, bud. I appreciate you calling this morning. Eight five seven five five seven four Lou. By the way, our friends at Toro, a num America's number one brand in snow, will be giving you the chance to win one of their Toro products every month. We've been talking about this, and you can learn more about that product right here on House Smarts Radio. You know, winter is a hassle, I get it, and with the Toro February product of the month, you could win the Toro 60-volt max 12-inch power shovel with battery and charger. Make shoveling and, well, actually, it's a thing of the past with this. Powered by Toro's interchangeable 60-volt max battery, the Toro 60-volt max 12-inch power shovel makes easy work of blasting snow. The Toro Power Curve technology shreds the snow fast and throws it up to 25 feet. You should see the video on this thing. Ultimate in power and control with two speeds to choose from right at your fingertips. All you have to do is visit wgnradio.com slash contests for your chance to win the Toro 60-volt max 12-inch power shovel. That's wgnradio.com slash contests. The sweepstakes end February 28th at 11.59 p.m. Central Time. That's a good one. 857-557-4, This is John calling in from Chicago. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Lou. Um, I, I have, we just recently purchased a house, and there are windows in there from a local manufacturer, not the one that you advertise, and they're very difficult to go up and down. I sprayed some of the greaseless WD-40. It helped. I went to the manufacturer, and they really didn't provide any help. They said, look at um, YouTube, and there's some Spanish-language um, 
instructions on there, but um, wait, wait, the, wait, 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 wait. Go to YouTube. There's some Spanish language. Do you speak Spanish, or you just went there and that's what you found? I went there and that's what I found. Gotcha. And I don't know if the balancer needs to be changed or what. I, it, it's just I don't know what to do. Do these uh, so these windows from another manufacturer that's not Gilkey? Um, <laughs> to be very specific, do they tilt in for cleaning? Yes, they do. Okay. So, um, it's going to be pretty warm today. So maybe the balancers have like, so, okay. When windows tilt in for cleaning, you know, you, you pull those pins at the top or slide bolts, whatever it will tilt in, you know, and now you're holding it and it's horizontal on the actual sash itself that is in the, in the track of the window jam, are two little um, metal pins, okay, that go into the balancers. And it can happen that they've popped out. And maybe when you when you tilt that window in and you look, you're like, huh, I see this little, kind of this little plastic piece with a hole in it. What, what's that doing up there? And what's that one doing up there? So if you see that, take the window now, you're holding it horizontally, Lift your right arm up, you know, to kind of change the angle of the window and take the entire window out. So now you're holding the sash in your hand. Right. Then you're going to locate those little sliding pieces of uh, probably plastic. They could be metal. And um, look for those two little holes. If you see them, take a screwdriver, like a Phillips screwdriver, and kind of pull it down a little bit so they're roughly in the middle or, or kind of as low as you can get them without them springing back up. Then take your window and, on an angle, go into that jam, take the metal pin on one side, and lock it into place into that thing, and then draw it down. And then on an angle on the other side, lift that up, and then lift the other side up so that the pin goes in the other side. So you're relocking this sash into the holders on the balancers, and then fold the window back up and see if that does it. Okay, great. Does that make sense? I will try that. Because I, that makes sense. while I was describing it, my arms were moving. I was doing it all, and to me, it makes perfect sense. I just hope that I'm able to articulate that to you. Very, very good. One other quick question on the outside water, where you know you have a hose attachment. Yep. There's this double. Um, they put this very large double um, extension, so I can't get a typical insulation cover over that. And um, I don't know how to keep that warm. I put a old ice box to cover that, but I'm thinking of just, you know, sometime having a plumber put a single one just to help keep it warmer so it doesn't freeze up. Um, they do make, uh, could you, oh, I see. Hmm. They do make a, a. It's like a. It's like a foot long with two spigots on. It's like a foot long. Oh, so in other words, the cover won't go. The cover can't right, go right. to the wall. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Well, why don't you? Uh, why don't you uh, go by 
a pair or get an old pair of insulated socks like you wear in the winter mm-hmm. and put two of them over the top of that. Okay. Great idea. Right? That'll work. Great. We're just trying to I cut really the draft. Yeah, exactly. I really enjoy and appreciate your show very much. You're very kind. Thank you, John. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right. When, we, when we come back, um, I'm just setting you up right now. When we come back, I'm going to be using the word of the day about something that I found. Because I told you, I had a whole thing. When I saw your word, I was so excited because of something that you and I spoke about, Lindsay, that I was so sad about. And then I found out that our word of the day applies to it. You're listening okay. to House Smarts Radio with me, Lou Manfredini. We'll take a quick break and be back right after this. I'm trying to come up with all the people that are coming to the trip, um, like a little giveaway when they come to the broadcast, right? Like a right, we're going to give them a, something to if they come to the broadcast. We're not sure yet where we're going to go, but Lindsay, as a joke for Christmas, or maybe it wasn't a joke, but it was very funny. Gave me a loofah for Christmas. And it's a loofah, but on the handle it says Lou, L-O-U, dash, fa. Right? Get it? Loofah. Right? So, uh, well, I know you got it. You gave it to me. Um, And I go, wait a minute. This is what we're going to do. We're going to give all the listeners loofahs. Right? Now we're thinking how we're going to transport all these loofahs to Ireland. But anyway... And we're going to get the loofah, and it'll be kind of a fun little thing. And I was all in. This is it. We're going to loofahs. That's funny. Well, I have this friend of mine, a woman that I work with, whose parents live in this development, I guess, down in Florida called The Villages. And The Villages has kind of a reputation for a very open society of people that live there. That's all I'm going to say. Right? And and there's all this stuff that I can't even imagine goes on. I, I don't even know what world I live in because people say this stuff to me, and I can't even understand that this is a real thing, right? But evidently, in there's a rumor that in the villages, okay, it you hang a loofah like from your mirror of your car or your golf cart if you're interested in a certain thing. Okay, and so she sends me this color-coded thing of the loofahs, okay? So if you were to hang a white loofah, it means you're a novice or a beginner. I mean, I'm embarrassed to even say what this is. Okay, if you're... If you're... I can't even read the definitions. Oh my gosh! No, it's it's in other words, if you're interested in, uh, maybe you're a married individual or you're in a committed relationship, but maybe that's not so committed, right? And you're have a little fun with in the villages, and I'm not. I but so this is the thing. So I I was concerned. I'm like, great. Now the loofah's been ruined for me because you know I, I I I thought that. This is it. We're, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give people a loofah, and it'll be a lot of fun. But now it's been ruined. But, Lindsay, it's a furphy. It's a furphy. I found out that it's, in fact, there's a rumor that circulates the Internet from time to time that people who live in the villages put loofahs on their car or golf carts to indicate that they're available for swinging. 
Like, where did this come from? Well, because I've heard furfies similar with an upside down pineapple. I don't know if you I know. That. So that's another thing. They've ruined the pineapple and they've ruined the butterfly. Me, Mr. Butterfly. Uh. Okay. So, you know, if you're like someone into the swinging thing, but first of all, the villages sometimes put their cars, typically not a loofah, but they put, they use a pool noodle. So what's very common down there is people use pool noodles, but not for the reason that you think. It's to find their car when they're at the grocery store. Oh, yeah. Okay? So just like putting a, a luggage tag on a suitcase when you're traveling because it's, you know, black, everybody's got a black suitcase, a lot of people use, if they go to the Publix down there in Florida, and if you have a car still, I mean, car, this is the thing, too. You know, now there's no antennas on cars anymore, right? But what it used to be, if you had an older car, you would slide the pool noodle over the top of your antenna and go, hey, there's my Buick, right, as you're walking out of the Publix. <laughs> and that the Buick is a reference as well. Uh, but anyway, it that they use a lot of that. And in fact, the loofah is not, it's an urban legend about the villages. So a furphy. We're, it's a furphy, and we're back to loofahs oh, in Ireland. Oh, good. And which the ones we were looking at really don't have a color. Thank right? God they're the, white. <laughs> <laughs> right? So we're not doing that. Eight five seven five five seven four Lou eight five seven five five seven four five six eight is our phone number. I mean, this is a tough time of year uh, with this weather because um, it's going to be warm today, and um, and uh, we uh, we don't. Um, who's that on line one? You want to tell me the name of that person? Yeah, thank you. Eight five seven five five seven four five six eight. It's a tough time of year because we think it's going to be spring. I already saw my daffodils. I, I inadvertently put a post that it was my tulips. And you people all corrected me that they were the daffodils. They still shouldn't be up in the middle of February. But, um, you know, cover that stuff up if you start to see it. Put maybe some, if you can grab some mulch to go over the top of that just so they don't freeze. Because it is going to get colder. uh, And that stuff's going to die, which you don't want to do it. Let's go to the phone lines. This is Brad driving around in his car. Hey, Brad, good morning. Hey, Lou, how are you? I'm doing well. What's going on? Well, I'm on my way down to see my daughter, take her out for breakfast. She's down at Champagne. But uh, my question is, we have white-painted kitchen cabinets, and they have, you know, in the area where we cook, by, over the cooktop and what have you, there's grease on these cabinets, and the grease is dried sort of like it's like gummy. I mean, you, it doesn't come off with, a, you know, a cleaner, a rag or something like that. I mean, it's so thick sometimes that I've actually, like, scraped it using, like, a, a razor blade, you know, wow. glass scraper. And, and, it, and it takes off a layer of grease, but I don't want to damage the paint. Right. So what cleaner do I use to get through that sort of gummy grease? What I would do, a really good degreaser... But it's all about timing is a product called Crud Cutter. And it's a concentrate, and you can buy it in a spray, um, like a spray bottle. And what I want you to try is in a spot that's not, you know, like that noticeable, maybe, you know, underneath where the hood is above the oven or whatever, and... um, Spray a little bit on there. It's not super thick, so it may drip down, so put a rag down there. But spray it. Let it sit there for maybe two or three minutes. Spray it again. 
and then use a a mild well let me think about this because I don't want to ruin the paint buy buy a plastic scrubbing pad you know and and even a plastic putty knife which I've mentioned everybody should have in their home um, but um, put that in there spray that on there and try in a little spot and if you get down to the paint the thing is if you leave it there too long it may affect the paint. That's why I want you to try two, three minutes. If you do it in two, three minutes and you're like, hey, this is working, same philosophy for the rest of it. If you say, if you see after two, three minutes, yeah, it's coming off, but I could go a little more, then go a little bit longer. You're trying to find that sweet spot where the paint doesn't get affected and you can uh, get the grease off. But the crud cutter, Brad, should definitely do the trick. Perfect. I'll give that a go. All right. Say hi to your daughter for me. Have a great time, and uh, that's nice. That's a nice. That's a nice way to spend your Saturday morning. Go see your daughter down at school. I like that. Yeah, uh, and I've got the dog too, so you know oh, she the... wants to see. The, she likes to see. Right. She likes to see the dog. Yeah, so she likes to see her dad, but she. Me. Yeah, <laughs> right. Hey, Dad, can you take me out to breakfast and bring the dog? Exactly. Right. <laughs> Have a great time. Thanks. Take care. 857-5574. Hey, I had the, uh, had the pleasure last night of uh, being the uh, uh, MC and uh, co-auctioneer last night at the Misericordia First Look for Charity at uh, McCormick Place. It, it was such a lovely event. It had been since 2019 that we all got together. And I had the opportunity to work, uh, though I know this young man, but work with him on stage, Alex Maragos, who is a reporter, anchor, anchor reporter, actually, at NBC5 in Chicago. And uh, the room was filled with unbelievably generous people who helped support the mission of Misericordia. And uh, then the auto show, you know, it's kind of the... The best way to see the auto show, you're all dolled up. Everybody's, you know, uh, most people are in tuxedos and uh, fancy dresses. And, uh, you know, it's one of those events where they hand out slippers because uh, I heard from many people wearing uh, high heels are like, oh, my feet are killing me. Don't worry. We've got slippers for you coming up a little bit later on, right? Which is pretty funny. But uh, a big thank you uh, on behalf of Misericordia for all the generosity in the room and all the people that went to planning. It's a huge event and a big fundraiser. And uh, it was my absolute pleasure to be part of it. And I look forward to next year and other events. And uh, thank you to all that contributed. It was really, really a fun event. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom coming up with Don Kleppen. And somehow she was on this conversation about, um, like, people snooping in your house. Like, when you have guests over, you know, like, they're snooping around. Sure. And someone told them a story. Someone told her a story about, oh, this this person telling the story was of Eastern European descent. I believe Polish. And she's like, oh, the, the my relatives are so, this is a personal story. They will come and they'll go and open the drawers like in your dresser, to see if all your stuff is organized. No. You know, like your underwear drawer and your sock drawer and stuff like that. <laughs> Just right? terrible. Right? And, yeah. um, and so, like, they're concerned about it. When the relatives come over, they'll go and organize it all. And so I'm listening to this, and this, I'm just, this is just kind of a funny aside. So uh, maybe a few weeks ago, uh, we, we have a woman that uh, every now and then cleans our house. And I go to open up my drawer where my uh, socks and underwear are. I have two drawers. I have a drawer for socks and a drawer for underwear. And it was all completely organized. 
Whoa. Not by me. Hmm. <laughs> right? And I was like, huh. Like, I couldn't believe it. You know, like, everything was rolled up, and it was all, like, kind of like loaves of bread or, like, slices of bread, you know, in a, in a thing. And I thought that that was so... I was completely shocked. So the question is, underwear drawer, sock drawer, organized, or just thrown in a drawer? Lindsay, go. Thrown in a drawer. Andy, go. Uh, two drawers, very organized. Like, rolled up and organized? Rolled up and organized. By color, even. Wow. How about that? I need to introduce you to my husband. Oh, he's yeah. the same way? It's like, oh, what, what was the what was that movie with, uh, remember that movie years ago, Andy, the guy, uh, uh, <laughs> the guy, what was his name? Uh, Mike, Mickey Rourke. Oh, yeah. There was the movie where he had all the suits all lined up. Oh, yeah. Remember? Remember it was like a famous, like, thriller. Anyway, we'll yeah, come up with that. I remember. Anyway, Andy, drawer, organized? Yeah, everything's organized. And and Don? Oh, uh, it starts organized, but then it uh, it gets messy throughout okay, the week. Okay, so wait. Sure. So this is the best part of the story. So the family, where this would come over, and the family would come and snoop and everything, right? They would also go in the medicine cabinet, like open up the medicine cabinet, which I never, ever, ever, if I'm ever at anybody's house, never do that. Never have, never will, none of my business, right? Why would you? Right. Yeah. They're pulling the medicine Right, Why? well, because people are nosy, oh, right? Man. They're scoping. But so, they scope meds. What are you doing? <laughs> right, what are you doing? So this is what they did. Listen to this. They took an open bag of marbles and put it in the medicine cabinet. <laughs> what? So when you open the medicine cabinet, all go. the marbles <laughs> fall on the ground. Oh my what? God! They pranked these people. They pranked to make relatives? sure that they weren't looking in the medicine cabinet. Oh, open bag of marbles oh, on the shelf. Awesome. You open up like, yes. oh, let's see, is she taking anything? This is the Home Alone so solution. How humiliating would that be? Oh, that is. Could you imagine? Wow. I mean, you could just picture it. it like. Everywhere, the marbles. Oh, my God, i got to pick these up. And oh, the noise yes. that it must make. And, right. and, and that's oh. it. It's an alarm. You got caught. I was caught dying. Beth and I were driving. We were dying laughing. I thought that was so uh, funny. That's brilliant. Yeah, now you got to think of a trap for the sock drawer, too. You know, right. some kind of thing to indicate. <laughs> okay, so back to the sock drawer. Did you go to Did you go to Mary Beth and say, oh, honey, thank you for organizing my... No, I knew said, it was not I her. No, I knew it was not Mary so Beth. I know, lady. Oh, you, but no. I mean, how did you feel about your... Well, I mean, I was like, huh, okay. that looks pretty good. And, it, it, and within like a you know, few days, it was not anymore. Because sure. it's just like when the right. drawer is closed, I mean, you know, it's, I don't need that but to I look good. I feel like good. If, I, if my cleaning lady went into my underwear drawer and like, or, I mean, I would be, I'm someone who would not, I would be grateful for it. But I feel like some <laughs> people would be like, what are you doing? Right. I, just think the, I, I just think that the marble thing in the medicine cabinet is genius. Yeah. Awesome. Like if you know somebody snooping around and doing that, that's just genius. It's brilliant. I love oh, it. What? And then they come out, you know, with that look. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? Like a How dog. you doing? Hey, yeah. uh, oh. you know what? I got to go. Sorry. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for the Super Bowl right. party. I got to go. Right. You're going to have a Super Bowl party. All these people are coming over. Get a bag of marbles. Line the oh, cabinet. That would be awesome. Gosh. Set up your traps That now, is people. awesome. Yeah. I love it. We were laughing hysterically. Oh, that some, is so good. Something to think about. Yeah. 857-5574. Lou, 857-557-4568. This is Mike calling in from North Carolina. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Hey, Lou. How are you today? I'm well. How may I help you, sir? So um, it's new construction in the house we we're in here, in down here, and they routed the water softener to where I want to put my garden. So my question is, can I 
keep using the water to water the garden, or is that going to be too brackish for plants, uh, tomatoes and that? Oh, you mean the water softener also feeds the spigot? No, it where they ejected it out of the house. We're out. We're a rural area. Out oh, here, where they, where they they ran the pipe out of the house goes to where I want to put my garden. Really? Are you on a well and septic or city sewer? Oh, oh yeah, well septic swamp. I'm, we're we're rural. <laughs> <laughs> we got it all. Oh, that's funny to me that they wouldn't have just run it into the septic system. It was an add-on after they built the house, and because we're on a slab. It, the septic comes out on one side, and oh. they put the uh, softener on the other side. Hmm. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot for your plants. You know that that tr- that uh-huh. water it will. And uh, let me ask you this: How much gets ejected out of there? Well, because we have actually we have an arsenic problem with the water, so uh-huh. I've got I, they run a cycle. Uh, once a week for just the regular softener, and then they run a cycle for the arsenic, too. Hmm. And does it just eject right next to the house, or did they run the hose away? They ran the hose away, but they, they he didn't do it. It wasn't brilliant. He's got it 18 inches underground and terminates 18 inches underground. So it's just like a wet area. So. Hmm. And one other question: When you the pipe that comes out of the wall outside, you see it, right? And then it goes down. No, he's got it's underneath the patio. Oh, but I can I can reroute this thing to another spot. I'm I'm not excited about how it is because right now it backflows and kind of washes out the dirt. Yeah, so I would. I would if you I, if you if you can re, if you can reroute it. How cold does it get down mm-hmm. by you in Charlotte? Uh so we we did get down into the uh, teens a couple of times, but we're we're but it's not right. Now. But it's not uh, when you if you get to the teens, it's not like you get a week of that, right? No, we'll get down into the teens for this year was like three days right around Christmas. We stayed below freezing. Got it. I mean, to me, you know, if you're going to route that, um, you know, you could almost even take uh, like a piece of PVC. And run it along the slab as a almost like a like a gutter, right? Where um, you could take the right. ho- in other words, you take that hose, um, you take that hose in uh, into that, and then you can take a one inch piece of PVC and make sure that you pitch it right so that there's no dip in it, yep. and then route it to wherever you want. But you are going to end up right. with something I- soupy. Yeah, and I that's I've got little gully alongside the house i can take it from that garden area i can in the garage cut it off from where it goes underneath move it to another you know run the pipe inside the garage and have it come out another spot and not be anywhere near the garden i can just run it into where well, it goes yeah. into swamp. and could you do could you do that and and maybe what you do is what what's the soil like down there is it clay is it clay red clay okay maybe what you do is you hedge your bet on this and wherever you end up terminating that pipe you dig a hole, you know, maybe the size of, uh, uh, you know, in circumference of like a 55-gallon drum of, uh, of you know, a barrel of oil type of thing, right? And uh, right. so maybe two and a half feet in diameter and then go down three or four inches, fill it with gravel, and terminate uh-huh. it in there. So you create a little, okay. you know, you create a little French drain area for at least... 
right. the, the water to collect there in that thickness of that gravel. And if you can keep the gravel exposed, don't cover it because the sun will heat up the rocks, will help to evaporate the water, and the soil won't mm-hmm. won't won't um, absorb as much. Yeah, that sounds good because I can pitch that in with the gutter too and have right. that all terminate right. off. Yeah, I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it in. Okay. I wouldn't put it with the garden wall. I, I think you'll you'll ruin the plants. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. You right. know, if, it, if, if it's something we can't drink, it would probably not be something we'd want to eat through our vegetables. <laughs> that's, either, a good, so. that's a very good point. Exactly. Right. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. Appreciate you listening down there. 857-557-4LU. 7.20 in the morning on 7.20 WGN. We're broadcasting from the Permaseal Foundation Repair Studios. We'll be right back. Well, what's going on? We'll say this quick. Uh, Thanksgiving morning, uh, woke up. Looked up, our ceilings and our and our sunroom, family room, basic kitchen, black film with a lack of a better word, patchy, black. It almost looks like soot, burning candles type of thing. Through the whole house, actually, and not as bad as those rooms. Uh, through the vents, it only affected the walls, the ceilings. The window treatments, that's it. It did not, there's no uh, film on any of the furniture, any of the woodwork, or excuse me, the uh, kitchen uh, counter, nothing. I've had four HVAC people here. I've had restoration people here, home inspectors. They are perplexed at the problem. It's not from candles. We don't burn candles. It's not mold. It's not soot. Uh, there's no cracks in the ducts. The humidity is 38 to 42% always. Uh, two-year furnace, it's only two years old. The hot water tank is five years old. Had them both checked, working perfectly. Now, one thing that's very strange, the filter that I put in uh, is a three-month filter. Normally, I only use 30-day filters. For some reason, that turned black. Mm-hmm. with the film on it. Mm-hmm. No one can figure that out. Now, we, since then, we've had the ducts clean, the walls cleaned. I used the same filter again just to see, and damn if that didn't turn black in five days. Every other filter does not, except this one. Help, help, help. I don't know where to go. Okay. Thank you for listening. I, I okay. got. I got it. Okay. Uh, all right. Let me. Ask, okay. Let me. Let me ask you a few questions. The yes, furnace. Sir. How does the furnace vent? Does it go? Through, does does it go? Furnace? Does it go to a chimney or is it a direct vent furnace outside? Direct vent furnace outside with no like chimney. the with no. the white not a chimney not a chimney. Yes. Like that. How about the water heater? Not, not. Don't know. Um, Couldn't tell you. Okay, so um, do you have a fireplace? No. You did no fireplace whatsoever. No. How old is the house? Nineteen years old. Okay. And I live in Sun City, Del Webb, if you're familiar with those homes. Oh, sure. Right. I could send Orion over there. Oh, okay. He's, he's well, looking there for stuff go. to do. There we go. That's okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's a direct vent, and I'm going to assume... Um, 
I'm going to assume that the water... Are you in your house right now? I am. So you have no basement at Del Webb? No, sir. So no, where, sir. Not this house. No. All right. So, so where, can you go over to your utility room where you have your furnace and your water heater? I'm here. Okay. And look at the water heater and tell me the pipe that comes out of the top of it. Where do you see that? Does that go outside through the wall? Yes. Okay. Goes up through the ceiling, really up through the attic and out, in my case. Goes up through, through the attic and out. Okay. Yep. But that pipe that's going yep. up, is it metal or plastic? Yes. Metal. Okay. Which has been checked, by the way. Hmm. Everything's been checked. Hmm. Everything. And they're all telling me, which I do believe now, that the black filter has nothing to do with this other problem. I guess I'm more perplexed as why is the filter turning black? I don't get it. I've read about it. It's saying why. None of those problems exist, and it's only that three-month filter. Any other three-month filter or 30-day filter does not do it. Yeah, well, see, the thing is, I think the, the filter is a telltale sign that we've got, we've got some type of carbon or soot that's circulating through the house. And that filter is the one that's picking it up, which is why you see it. So this is an indoor air quality issue. And uh, let me ask you one other question. You're in your furnace room right now? Can you go back I over there? I will be. All right, go back over there. I will. Okay, All right. I'm here right now. Are you, look, are, you look, are, you looking, <laughs> are you looking at your furnace? You see, I am. You see the white pipe that it comes out of the furnace? That's the, is there one or two white pipes that come out? White pipes. One's coming out, and the other one, the white is leading into the humidifier. Leading into the humidifier. So, it's all one white it's just one, yeah. so out of the furnace, there's only one white pipe, not Correct. two. One, no, sir. Okay. This has been checked and rechecked. Right. Four but, different HVAC. Okay, hold mm-hmm. on. If, I, if it's, yeah. so what I think is happening, if there's mm-hmm. only one white pipe and it is a direct vent, so one of two things is happening. We're getting some, it's indoor, it's an indoor air quality issue. And it could be that if that is a direct vent furnace, that it's using the combustion air from the home to fire, as is, as is the, um, uh, as is the furnace. And there should be in that room an outside air vent, what's called an air makeup vent for combustion. And I think that what you have to talk to them about is installing an, uh, an outside air vent that will vent that closet so when the furnace and the water heater kick on, they're not using the air from the home, but they're using the air that's going to draw in from that vent for combustion. Okay. And oh. the way that we could test this is what is the closest window to that furnace room well we could say the front door or we can say my office window Uh, okay they're both proximity they're both basically 
the window, actual window is from, to my office, maybe from the doorway to the uh, the laundry well, my, room. My door. point is, I'm just trying maybe to, to yeah, yeah. I mean, since we're going to have some warm weather, oh. I'm just trying to think of how we could test this out. But if we're going to have a little bit of warmer weather, if we crack that window open, if you replace the mm-hmm. filter, okay, and then you could crack that window open for a week and leave it open. Okay. And let some fresh air that. come in there as you know, until it gets really cold. And let's see if we get some fresh mm-hmm. air in there and then see what happens to that filter in a week. If all of a sudden it's not black anymore, then what I'm telling you about this outside yeah. air on, in that mechanical room is probably the solution. So buy that furnace filter again, which I have not. Correct. Now I have a 30-day filter in there, so buy that furnace my point is that furnace filter is doing its job, and it's telling you that something is wrong. Why aren't the other ones doing its job? Because they're not That's as good. They're not get. as good. They're not as good of a filter. Okay. Better filters are tell, better. I think it's a combustion air issue in your mechanical room, and you need an outside air source to bring it in. I got to let you go. I'm bumping up against time. That's a bummer. I'm sorry you're having that problem. 7.33 in the morning. We have a really, are you into comp? Well, I'm not, we have a really good Noodaloo 2 coming up, and uh, we have a special correspondent helping us out. You'll hear all about that coming up after this report of WGN Radio News. So nice. I just sat there and, like, looked around and kept familiarizing my, I mean, and the best part about that is I was all by myself, so I could take my time, (laughs) right? Nobody was bothering me. You know what I mean? It was really great. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. You're such a nerd. I can't wait. I am such a nerd. Okay. Our new to Lou 2 uh, is a good one. And uh, so this company, well, composting is a thing, right? And more and more people are doing it. And it's not for the faint of heart. It takes, you know, it takes work to do it. Um, but there are um, there are ways to make it easier, and we have a special correspondent helping us out this morning on our Noodaloo 2. And if this is something that you're serious in and you're willing to make an investment, take a listen to our Noodaloo 2. Many might agree, actually 67% of Americans to be specific, that composting in theory sounds like a good idea and is something we might like to try, but the thought of that long, smelly, cumbersome process usually keeps it on the maybe-one-day shelf. Well, our new Tulu 2 might make one day, two-day. Lomi, L-O-M-I, is the new kitchen countertop composter from Pella. Lomi's goal is to make dividing and composting waste more compact, mess, and odor-free, and a speedier process than before. In as little as three hours, Lomi can transform up to 80% of your organic waste from fruit and veggie waste to eggshells to plant trimmings into practically odor-free dirt. In 16 to 20 hours, it produces rich fertilizer that can be used for potting plants or nourishing a garden. We put reporter Carmen Manfredini on the case. Carmen? Carmen Manfredini here reporting from Michigan to talk a little trash on my dad's show, but not actual trash people. We are talking compost. As someone who was always looking for ways to minimize my carbon footprint, composting has always been of interest, but it's time-consuming, messy, and, well, stinky. 
So we were happy to test the Lomi out when it arrived on our doorstep. About the size of a large toaster, we found a spot for it on our kitchen counter, making it easily accessible to dump food scraps in. Our two-person household has been running it once a week, and in the meantime, the scraps in waiting are tightly contained, so no smell when closed. When ready to run, the process is simple. One push of a button, and the Lomi breaks down those food scraps in as little as three hours. It was super quiet, and while the company warns there may be minimal smell, we were not bothered by any. If you're ready to commit to compost to prove there is life after death for your orange rinds, we are rooting for you to try the Lomi for yourself. It's heaps of fun. Carmen Manfredini, official trash talker, signing off. So there you have it, folks. Make compost, not war. You also have to be committed to the price tag, which is $4.99. On sale now, though, for $3.49. And keep in mind the reason there is no smell is due to the two refillable cartridges that use activated charcoal to break down those nasty odors. And those cartridges need to be replaced every 90 days to the tune of about 55 bucks every three months-ish. But if you really want to compost, it's worth every penny to keep it simple and keep the stink out. For more information, check out Lou's House Smarts YouTube channel. Don't forget to click the subscribe button while you're there. It's um, it's cool. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you, Lindsay. Nice job. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, thank you, Carmen. It is uh, what I like about it is the compact size of it, and I think that um, the issue really is the investment in the unit and then the upkeep of it, but the convenience of it being right on your counter. Right, you get a few, few, few food scraps, and in particular, if you're a gardener and you're going to use all that compost, it makes a ton of sense, right? And just reducing the carbon footprint. I don't think it uses a lot of electricity, and I think that once they got it all set up, what Carmen mentioned, the fact that initially they said, "Oh, there was some odor," but I think it was just a setup issue. And they have both told me, she and her boyfriend Liam, that it they love using it and it works great and. If this is something you want to commit to, check it out. Go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash TV. There's more information there. 857-557-4LOO, 857-557-4568. Let's go back to the phone lines. Speak with Debbie, who's in Chicago. Hi, Debbie. You're on House Smarts Radio. Well, good morning, Lou. I'm really excited. I have a question for you about a um, high-efficiency furnace install. A mana versus um, train. Um, they, I'm trying to remember now because it's hard to keep track of who owns whom. I believe train owns a mana, or they own American Standard. Um, you know the, the good. Go ahead. Goodman owns a mana, right? Oh, maybe it's Goodman. That's right. Okay, you're right. Um, Goodman owns a mana, and so here's the thing. You know, uh, there's always been a lot of, um, not to stay with the trash talk, but um, the um, Goodman, the whole idea behind Goodman was the fact that people say, well, you know, Goodmans are cheaper, and um, the reason is they don't do a lot of advertising. But the fact of the matter is, is that most furnaces, they kind of all share the same parts, meaning that... There's Honeywell connectors and whatnot, and there's nothing wrong with a Goodman furnace, and there's nothing wrong with an Amana furnace. It's really, quite frankly, Debbie, it's all about the people you get to install it. So I'm more concerned with the quality of the HVAC contractor to size the unit properly, 
to do all the right work, to be conscious of the venting and, you know, the load calculations of how big or how small the unit can be. To me, that is more important than the actual equipment itself because I think for any major brand that you would buy, Carrier, Train, Amana, Goodman, Lennox, your expectation is if it's installed properly and you maintain it, you should have you know pretty much worry free prop uh, worry free uh, operation of that thing for fifteen to twenty years. They said that it's good to put in an Amana because there's less parts or the parts are all made in America. That mm-hmm. was the big selling point of the Amana person. I don't. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think most of the parts, like I said, I mean, I, I could probably come up with a schematic uh, on the line about an Amana furnace and probably find similar, the igniters that are used, the inducer motors, you know, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of that stuff is universal across all these different brands. And, you know, what it might be, you know, depending on the contractor that you're hiring, they may get a better incentive to sell you an Amana. You know what I mean? From the manufacturer. That's what, yeah, they can't order trains, the one. So are you leaning more heavily to a train? I'm not, I'm not leaning one way or another. As I mentioned, okay. if you, if, if you, me personally, I would install a train, a carrier, a Goodman, a Payne, which is another offshoot of, of carrier. All these products are good products. I'm more concerned with the people you have installing it. So, in other words, you're getting you know this information from whomever you're speaking to about this. Maybe get a couple other bids, right? Right. I've had three: two train, one a mana. Okay. There's a um, we we've got this relationship with the um, this factory authorized dealer group out of a distributor, ChicagoFAD.com, I believe is the website, uh, and. They're part of a, a TEC, which is a big distributor of a lot of different furnaces. And so you could go there, and they would set you up with factory-authorized uh, dealers, okay, that you could get a bid on a train, or you could get a bid on a, you know, whatever it might be from one of these folks, and it would be a really good place for you to get maybe just one more estimate to make sure they're telling you uh, the right thing. Okay, and the website again? Chicago, F-A-D.com. Chicago, F-A-D.com. Now, was it F as in Frank, A as in Apple, G as in Go? D as in Dog. Okay. And what about two-stage and two-stage variable? How big is your house? It's a Chicago bungalow, two-bedroom. I mean, the, the two-stage... the. Sure. It'll make you more comfortable. Uh, The variable is just, it's like one more speed or two more speeds, whatever it might be. But a two-stage will definitely make you uh, more comfortable, and it'll help lower your energy bill. Well, thank you very much. I will uh, check that out. Thanks, Debbie. Appreciate you calling this morning. 7.50 in the morning. We're broadcasting from the Permaseal Foundation Repair Studios. We'll take a quick break and be back right after this. Um, I have a couple of scuff marks on my glass shower doors. What, what can I use? They're not scratches. 
what can I use to, you know, uh, diminish them as much as possible or take them away? What? Them to go away, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. You're in Richmond, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, there's an Ace Hardware on uh, Route 12 in Richmond, Illinois. Yep. Go there and see if they sell a product called Bright and Clean. Bright and Clean. It's a powder. It's a powder that you're going to take a microfiber towel and you're going to wet it with warm water. And you're going to sprinkle this powder directly onto the microfiber towel and kind of Working in a little bit, but you still, I still want to see some of the powder on there. And then get the glass wet, just damp, or, you know, like throw some water on it. And in a circular motion with medium pressure, work this cleaner into the glass. It was invented, it was invented by a guy in the glass business out in San Diego, and it does a really nice job of cleaning up the glass and that's probably your your best bet best bet okay all right thank you very much i appreciate you calling this morning eight five seven five five seven four lou let's get one more call in here before we take another break this is richard in chicago hey rich hey good morning how are you I'm, i'm doing great what's going on yeah i got a question in regards to uh spray foam um, I have a. I live in Chicago. I have an older home that's built with plaster and lath interior, uh, not drywall. And uh, I'm wondering, uh, how is to have a company? You know, they drill a hole inside the base of the uh, the walls, and they put a they put a tube in there, and they spray foam uh, the foam in there as they go up the wall. How effective is that compared to? You know, maybe do a full tear out and and you know put normal insulation in or spray foam insulation and put drywall up instead of having plaster and lap. So, I mean, here's the thing: um, the because of the old home and because of the differences in that gapping, you're at really the mercy of the foam. It's probably a low expanding foam to fill the area, but there's so many obstructions in there that there's no way to know if the foam covers everything. You know, it's real easy when they do a demo and they show you a wall cavity with a piece of plexiglass over the top because you can see it, but you can't see it with the plaster. And the thing is, is that, you know, your point is, okay, the spray foam, it's not an inexpensive proposition, right? But it's less expensive than tearing it all out and reframing and, you know, doing all that. But in the end, if you're not going anywhere, the better way to go is to re- tear it out, frame up a wall that's three and a half inches thick, maybe add an outlet or two where you always wish you had one, insulate it, and drywall it. Yes, okay. That's what my thoughts exactly. Um, yeah, I've seen the bays in different depths, and then I've seen some newspaper in the bay. Yeah, 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 right. in the bay. Right, and then the foam's just going to wrap around it, and then you'll be like, well, yeah, I paid for all this, but I put my hand right here, and it's cold because there's no foam there. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. 
Uh, Richard, thank you so much for the phone call. I hope that helps. I'm just bumping up against time here. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom with Don Kleppen. We'll be right back. We're going to get the audience involved in Furphy. I mean, just in the word of the day. I think they forget that we would like that. But we need to come up with like a, you know, like a, hey, be use our Furphy thing. And I know. I wish I could do it in like the hold music. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Today's the secret word is. Right. You could be. It's like password. Furphy. Right. Furphy. I love that. <laughs> That's a great idea. We or you could give away, a, give away a Furby. Remember those? With the or Furby. 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 Yeah. Right. Or a loofah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or, well, now that we know that loofahs are okay, uh-huh. right, we're back <laughs> with the loofahs. Yes, because that was um, just a furphy. Right. Okay, so I have a, I, I found this interesting story. Lindsay and I were talking about this. Um, wait, now I just lost it. Where is the, I had it all set up, and it, now it's gone. From, uh, there's this new study, you know, the International Home and Houseware Show is, uh, coming in march okay mm-hmm. and you know it's all these new products and uh things that uh Lindsay and i will t- end up going to the show and um <clears throat> they do these studies to kind of get people excited well they did this study on um happy together and sleeping apart survey a survey shows that happy couples lifestyle choices Include separate bedrooms. Now, Andy, you're newly married. Uh, I've been married a long time. Lindsay, you've been married a fair amount of time, you know, with your husband. And Don's going to get married soon. Yes, um, more than ever, couples are living together and sleeping apart. It's a trend. It's quickly gaining favor in the name of a good night's sleep. And this is what they're uh, finding out. Key findings include incompatible sleep habits and differences in sleep patterns are the top reason cited by 46% of adults who maintain separate bedrooms from their spouse or partner. 21% of the respondents to the survey said they currently maintain a separate bedroom in their house from their spouse, partner, or significant other. Wow. One in five. One in five. Hmm. Okay. And uh, part of it is that, you know, the partner's snoring, the movements, the sleepwalking, the talking, contribute to decisions to maintain separate bedrooms. The sleep Uh, Half of the adults uh, in the survey, 49%, who sleep separately from their spouse or partner say that they mutually decided on the arrangement. Well, that's good. That is (laughs) good. Lindsay's laughing. Mutually decided is right. strong. Is it, is it, is it a strong word? Okay. All right. Um, it said 51% of the adults with separate bedrooms uh, reported the benefits to this arrangement are neutral to positive. 31% say having separate bedrooms has not had a noticeable impact on their relationship. 21% say it has greatly improved their relationship. Okay. Hmm. The one thing that I don't necessarily know that Mary Beth has said to me, she wants separate bedrooms, but she said, if we ever build a new house, we're getting separate bathrooms. Mm. Well, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Right? Men are gross. So that doesn't bother me. <laughs> what doesn't right. bother you? The bathroom thing. Yeah. Like you wouldn't need sense. a separate bathroom. No. No. Uh, here's a typical myth. 62% of the spouses of significant others who admitted to sleeping in separate bedrooms in their homes say they do so every night. Now, a majority of the adults admit that sleeping apart uh, or significant other in their homes have lived together for more than 10 years. So, see, Lindsay, you and David could be on the verge of 
separate bedrooms. You now qualify. <laughs> we bet we we are one of the five. Really? <laughs> wow. Well, the not, pro- not every night. No, but it, but and then part of it is sleep habits because he's a night owl and you're not. That is correct. Right? And he and he's a snorer and he's a sleep tucker, but a hap- a happy one, but a sleep tucker. He sings in his sleep. Really? Nice. I'm wow. not kidding. It is. That's interesting. So funny, and yet <laughs> and equally he... annoying. In, in tune. <laughs> in tune is in tune. A good performance. Right? Oh yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, nice. A lot of, a lot of la-las. <laughs> la 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 la. That sounds really. Happy. I swear, it's the funniest thing. Uh, of those reported sleeping in separate bedrooms, uh, older adults are more likely than younger adults to maintain a separate bedroom. Uh, or significant other, the Happy Together Sleeping Apart survey found that three times as many adults, 65 years and older, uh, 29% compared to adults 18 to 34, 10% maintain separate bedrooms from their significant other. I mean, I just find it's fascinating. Right? It is. It's a little glimpse yeah, into I don't, I don't relationships. Uh, I, I mean, listen, I don't think anybody's perfect when they sleep. I mean, they're, I, I like to have the TV on when I go to sleep, just be, for mm-hmm. something in the background. Mm-hmm. My wife does not enjoy that, but puts up with it right. because that's something that I, I have done. You know, she likes to encroach, as I like to call I like to call penalties on her at night sometimes when she encroaches <laughs> to my side of the bed and wakes me up. That's a five-yard penalty for a uh, neutral zone infraction. Uh, that's right. Yeah, but Off I mean, I, I enjoy, I mean, I just enjoy I mean, waking up and I, seeing that she's there. Certainly, right. like when you're, right, when you're, when you're not feeling well, I'm going to sleep in a separate bedroom. Right. Yeah, that idea. Yeah, that totally. kind of stuff, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I just wonder if that's... See, the problem is, I, I, I don't know that, I've never had this conversation. I wonder right now if Mary Beth's listening, thinking, yeah, I could do that. Like, you could go sleep somewhere else, right? Because it's always like a joke, you know, when you've been married a long time, she'll say, hey, can you bring this up to my bedroom? Can you put this on my bed? Totally. I'm like, do we, I don't we, that. aren't we both there? <laughs> this in our bed? Yeah. Right. right? It's like, that, that stuff happens all the time. I'm like, okay, all right, yeah, I'll bring it up to your bed. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Whatever you say, honey. <laughs> just living in your it's house. It's not every night. That's it's just, it goes. It, it, David is a night owl, and he, uh, yeah. and I'm such a light sleeper. Right. Mm, yep. So then he comes in, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Up, I mean, as soon as I hear the footsteps down the hall, I hear Right, it. right. And, and, he, and, and, and the other thing, too, you're getting into his sweet spot because he loves basketball, and pretty soon, oh, yeah. all you're going to hear is uh-huh. the squeaking sneakers, which drives you crazy. Ugh. Right, with March Madness approaching. That's right. Great fantasy right. basketball team name too. Squeaking, sneaking squeakers. Oh, that's squeaking good. sneakers. Yes. Squeaking sneakers. That's <laughs> a good one. Or sneaking squeakers. Yeah. I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> or squeak squeak. All right. Well, there you go. There you have it. Your tip for the day, people. Eight five seven five five seven four Lou. Eight five seven five five seven four five six eight. This is Kathy, who's in Frankfurt. Hi, Kathy. You're on House Smarts Radio. Good morning, Lou. I just wanted to uh, touch base with you and give you a thank you for the the whole tight railing. When I heard you talk about it, it sounded kind of strange. And then when I saw it on Facebook the next day, I called my son and said, this is what you have to do. He ordered it, got it right away, installed it, and it's great. Oh, my gosh, that makes me so happy. Where did you install it? Uh, on the uh, going from the utility room into the garage, oh one step down. Exactly. And perf- my eighty-eight-year-old husband can really put it to good use. Right, but it's not, and and your son installed it. Yes, and it was like he was like so happy. <laughs> he was 
putting that thing up. I mean, it was no problem at all. It, it just he was here just a, like, not even an hour, I think. Wow. Well, he could. And he even put it. He put it on Facebook. He was just like so proud of it. Oh, I, that makes me so happy that we we featured a, a Noodaloo two, and I think I even showed it on WGN TV. The hold tight handrail that we found a guy yeah. in Minnesota. It's really well made, and 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 as as I explained, and now hear from. You were describing your son's installation, very easy to install. Oh, it was no problem at all. He was here and gone. That's <laughs> it was great. like He was so impressed, he put it on Facebook and said, you know, he said, this is to help my mom and dad get out of the house safely. That's great. That's wonderful. So, That's so, so nice to hear. For the, yeah, I knew you would like to hear yeah, that. Thank well, you, you have a great day. You too. Have a nice I weekend. Did. I really do appreciate you uh, calling this morning. That's really good. Hold Tight Handrail was that company that we did. All right. It's a time now to hear from Lindsay about what's new over at Builder Supply Outlet. I have a um, shower that's leaking around the base of the shower pan, um, and I'm just wondering how to best repair. And, and some of the tile, uh, it's mosaic tile, are loose on the floor. What's the best way to repair that? Mm. Um, you say by the shower base. So is it around the drain, or do you think it's where the base meets the wall? It's where the base meets the wall. Hmm. <laughs> and it is a tile base, right? Yes. Okay. And tile wall. And tile wall. I mean, you know, it the now let me ask you this. The tiles that are around the perimeter of the base, when you tap on those, are they loose? Yes. Okay. Uh I mean this is not an easy fix, Jim. Are you gonna? Oh, you. Are you gonna? <laughs> you're like, uh, come on! I was looking for. Couldn't I just buy a tube of caulk and fix it? Are you gonna try and uh, do this yourself? I'm fairly handy. Yeah. All right. Do you own a multi-tool? No. You're gonna buy yourself a multi-tool, Jim, because it's gonna change your life. And you're gonna buy the the multi-tool and buy the appropriate blades that are for um, removing grout. And probably, probably what you're going to end up doing is removing one or two. Let me ask you this. What is the tile on the wall? How big are those tiles? Uh, they're three-quarter by three-quarter. Oh, they're on the wall? They're that small? Yes. Mm -hmm. oh. It may be an inch, but no, more, no larger than an inch. All right. Mm. You're probably going to need to come up about a foot from the base and horizontally remove that line around the whole perimeter of the shower and you're going to loosen those tiles the problem is those tiles when they were put on you know they, they, it's a mosaic that had a backing on it to do all the spacing and when you start to take this apart with the tool you're going to have individual tiles okay the actually the tiles were were individually laid hand laid they were not backed Wow, that's old. The, the tiles were so. Yeah, it's, the tiles were put in in '57. Okay, so they're they're while they're straight, they're not. Um, there's a little bit of uh, of free play on them, right? Yes, that's okay. correct. Okay, all right. Well, then that's good. Then, um, so you're going to do that again. Do you like puzzles? Uh, yes. Perfect. You're the man for the job, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you're going to come up about a foot, and you may find that when you take off a section that the wall underneath there, because if it was back in the 50s, there's no Duroc, there's no... that. There's a good chance that that drywall or whatever they used as backing is shot. It's it's a plaster it's a plaster wall. Yeah, so that's probably shot. And I'm guessing at a foot, you may have to come up two feet until you get to solid plaster. And then when you remove okay. that horizontal line, and you're going to take each one of those tiles carefully and clean it up. And even that multi-tool on the back of the tile will help you clean that up really well. Um, then you're going to inspect where the base. I mean, there is a chance, Jim, that you got to put in a new base. I thought I was hoping not to have to. Do. I know. It's a I know. Cement, I know. It's a poured cement base. No, I know. And so you're not going to know that until you remove this wall. And when you do that, you're okay. going to then inspect the cement base and where, um, you know, the, the loose, because you said there's loose tiles on the floor, which make yes. me think that mm-hmm. the water's getting behind, you know, it was probably back in the 50s, I'm almost going to guarantee you that's a lead pan under the concrete base. Uh, actually, it's a it's a cement pan under the base. It was poured cement. No lead? No lead. Wow. That's old, old school. Um... Well, here's what I would do. I would start with, if you're fairly handy, I'd go ahead and remove those walls and clean up those tiles. If you discover that the pan is shot, there is a pan that you can buy pre-made to your dimensions called Ready Tile. Lindsay, Ready Tile? Ready Pan? Ready? Ready Tile, R-E-D-I. R-E-D-I-T-I-L-E. They make these synthetic pans that they make in half-inch increments. And you would lay that down, connect it to your drain, and then um, tile over the top of that. But your first step on this, Jim, is you got to remove the wall to see what you're up against. Okay. All right. Do that. Spend that, spend that. Spend the next week doing that, and then call me back, and let's see... How we can do that? Maybe we'll work it out together. I'm not coming over there, but right, at least, I'll, but at least I'll tell you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just around the lake, and you come to Michigan all the time. I do so come you, to right. I got a daughter there now, so I could just stop in and inspect on my way. Are you are you on the way to Grand Rapids? Absolutely, oh. we are like 300 yards off the road. Oh well, then, uh, um, uh, honey, we got to stop by Jim's house. I got to see how the shower pan project's going. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know, you're laughing, but I probably would do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, good luck. Call well, me back. You do, call, call and we'll have lunch. You got well, it. Thanks, Perfect. Lou. Thanks Perfect. for your help. You got it. I appreciate you. you calling this morning. Eight five seven five five seven four Lou. When we come back, uh, the auto show, I mentioned that I was at the first look last night, and I had a chance to pop around on Friday. I'm going to talk to the general manager of the auto show, which opens this morning at 10 o'clock. But that comes after this report at WGN Radio News with Don Kleppen. Blue Manfredini. Now, remember, if I wasn't Mr. Fix-It talking to you about your houses, I'd be Mr. Carr uh, because I love cars and uh, and I love everything about them. And while I'm a Chevy guy, I love the Chevys, I do always like seeing what everybody else is building. And uh, I've had over my lifetime the opportunity to own a bunch of different cars and try them out. And I 
love, love, love the auto show. And it is back, and it is opening today. Joining me on the phone line is Jennifer Morand, who is the Chicago Auto Show General Manager. Uh, Jennifer, good morning, and welcome to House Smarts Radio. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Man, you know, we've heard so much about the the car industry and the struggles that, uh, you know, the last couple of years have been, uh, you know, in trying to get cars and the used car market and all that kind of stuff. But the dealers that put together this show, the association that puts together this show is is coming back in a big way. And um, I know that you're all set, you're ready to go. And I bet everybody's super excited for everybody to come in. Really, it's a one-stop shop to see all the different cars, just about every car that's available will be at the auto show. That's right, Lou, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we are coming back after, you know, a crazy couple of years, but, you know, interestingly, we've never canceled our show. So it looked a little bit different. You know, last year was a one-hall show. We were just occupying the South Hall, but we're so excited to be able to open up our doors here this morning and welcome our fans back. They'll be so excited to see that we are now a two-hall show, so we're growing back into the North Hall, Mm. Um, and we have more brands actually coming back this year than we've had in recent years, so we're very excited about that. That's great, yeah, because some of them I know, uh, you know, kind of bowed out a little bit, and I know that... Um, you know, the whole idea to me anyway about coming to the auto show is like, you know, you, know, you want to go look at a Honda or you want to look at a Cadillac or you want to look at a, a, a Lincoln or whatever it is. It's all a Mercedes, you know, whatever it might be. Um, people have the opportunity to see that. Now, am I right that it's the 115th edition of the show? Yes, that's right. It's the 115th edition. So the auto show here in Chicago has really become a tradition for many people, you know, each February. And so when we hosted our 2021 special edition show, it was actually in the summertime because we were, you know, trying to make it a safe show, indoor, outdoor, hybrid. And, you know, what we found was that people loved the experiential side of it. So, you know, being able to test drive the vehicles, we had a lot of test tracks outdoors. Um, but they missed the, they missed the Chicago, you know, February time frame and for the auto show. Because what else are you going to do in February this time of year? <laughs> um, it's a great weekend to get out of the house. You know, after the holidays, it kind of dies down. It just gives some, you know, an opportunity for people to get out of the house and enjoy. And you mentioned, you know, brands like Honda, brands like Cadillac. Those brands are back this year. And we are thrilled um, to have them. And, and not only that, but, you know, we're bringing the fun experiential atmosphere from our summertime special edition show and actually bringing that indoors to our show this February. Yeah. Um, there's all this talk, um, you know, and we, we see it um, that a lot of these major brands now, these uh, are all developing these uh, electric vehicles and there's a lot of incentives, um, you know, to look at these things, to buy these. There's going to be quite a display of, of, of electric vehicles at the auto show, correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. So actually this year we are introducing the Chicago Drive Electric Easy Track, um, an educational hub, and that's in the size of a 100,000 square foot Easy Track, just dedicated for all electric vehicles. So we have five different brands participating on that track, ranging from luxury to mainstream. So people can actually ride along um, in these vehicles. But what's also great is they can actually get behind the wheel and test drive 
the EVs on city streets as well. So we're going to have a bunch of opportunities for people to get behind the wheel um, and learn about these vehicles. And, you know, what's great about that is you mentioned seeing everything under one roof. It used to be where you'd go to the auto show and it's, you know, cars on carpet and you could just, you know, look at the vehicles. But now we've really shifted as an industry and, you know, we've been able to incorporate more test tracks and more outdoor test drives than ever before. Actually, this year we have seven indoor test tracks in total, which is more than we've, we've had in, actually ever since the history of the wow. auto show. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, you know, to be able to touch it and feel it and, you know, actually experience the, the cars is just such a great opportunity for uh, not only the, the consumer, but uh, the dealers as well. And uh, it certainly seems like you guys have, have, have paid attention to that and are, are making that a reality. Yeah, and we hear from our fans, too, what they like to see. And, you know, we get feedback on social media. We have feedback on our website, emails, of course. But people want to experience the vehicle. So we listen to our fans, and we try to make that a reality, of course, working closely with the manufacturers to be able to pull together these world-class displays. Um, But, you know, if you look at our show floor, and I'm, you know, thrilled to be able to they were finally here for opening day to, yeah. to get to the stage, you know, and just if you see all of the, the, you know, it's not just, like I said, cars on carpet, you look in the South Hall, you'll see test trucks, you see giant hills, you'll see, um, you know, mud, mud and dirt and <laughs> you actually get a real feel for what it's like to go off-roading, yeah. um, you know, Toyota to Jeep to Ford. Um, you know, gosh, they like the Chicago drives electric track. And then on the other side, we have Hyundai and that's their talk about EVs. They have a brand new, uh, indoor track that's showing off their Ionic five. So lots of opportunities. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's give folks the particulars because you open up, uh, today, uh, 10 o'clock, right? You open up today on Saturday and, um, talk about ticket prices and, and where people can buy tickets and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So tickets are priced at 15 for an adult admission, um, but we do offer a lot of different opportunities to get discounted tickets. We actually are hosting a food drive next week. So check out our website for details on that, where you can uh, bring in two cans of food and get a discounted ticket. Love it. Um, we also, yeah, we also have a, a few other special events going on outside of the traditional $15 ticket. We are hosting Chicago Friday night flights, which is a craft beer tasting. So you can come out, sample beer from local breweries, of course, if you're of age. Um, and then that's a $45 ticket you can get online at our website, chicagoautoshow.com. Um, and that includes show access as well as um, samples and a souvenir glass. And then um, we're also, <laughs> believe it or not, bringing back a miles per hour run. Mm. That's tomorrow, Sunday. Um, actually, Super Bowl Sunday, but oh, wow. it, it is it is it is before the game, and it's going to take place tomorrow morning at eight a.m. So, for those of you who you know want to kind of get a sweat in before you you know tend to eat and <laughs> consume beverages later in the day, it's yeah. a great time to come out. So, so lots of different tickets, I guess you know, along with the just the Chicago Auto Show. Ticket. Yeah, 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 so, and, I, and, I and I all s- of that's found at our website. I see here that it's ten dollars for seniors and kids. Seven to twelve years old uh, are ten dollars, and then if the child is under three, it's Correct. free. So all that is good stuff to know. Correct. Yep. Ch- children three and under are, are free. So um, very affordable ticket prices, and like I said, there's opportunities to get discounted tickets as well. And I'll throw a mention to our, our social media team; they're doing a fantastic job, and 
promoting the show. So if people aren't already following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, tune in because they are doing uh, ticket giveaways for that as well. That's awesome. And I, they're using the hashtag CAS2023. And you can learn you got all about the information about the Chicago Auto Show opening this morning at chicagoautoshow.com. Jennifer Morand is the uh, general manager for the Chicago Auto Show. Uh, Jennifer, really nice to speak with you. I hope it's a huge success and you get lots of crowds out there. Thanks, Lou. I appreciate the opportunity. You're listening to House Marts Radio with me, Lou Manfredini. Our phone number is 857-557-4LOU, 857-557-4568. We'll take a quick break and be back right after this. Morning, Lou. Uh, talk a little slow, so a little patient. No problem. Um, we got in the closet, we got like a, a moisture in the closet and it's from a humidifier, I think, but... Um, I got a section of the house that doesn't have any insulation, and I'm trying to investigate on how good is the foam insulation they put in. Well, the foam insulation is, you know, probably one of the most um, efficient and thorough types of insulation that you could put into a wall cavity or a ceiling cavity, as long as... Lee, that you can ensure that it's actually filling the area. So, I mean, is the area where you want to put the insulation open so you can see it? No. No. Um, Inside the studs, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the thing is, what you don't know is if there's fire blocking in there or some kind of obstructions in there that you don't know about. And would this be something that you would hire somebody to... Um, yes. Okay. Yes. And so, um, you know, the issue is that, you know, they're going to say, oh, yeah, hey, buddy, we'll drill some holes and we'll throw some foam in there. It'll be great. But if, you know, there's a, let's say there's a fire block, which is, a, you know, maybe a block of wood that got put in there halfway up the wall. Well, the foam's not going to penetrate that. And if they, there's no right. way for you to know if it's actually going in there. You know what I mean? Well, we, we remodeled most of the house. And when we put the drywall out and put the uh, insulation in, there was no fire blocks. In no? Okay. I do think that they probably didn't do it about the house either. But you... This house. But, but this area where you want to add the insulation, that has not been remodeled? And you said that's like a... Is it a drywall wall, a it's, plaster it's, wall? We did, yeah, we didn't... We did, we, what happened was we had a triad level. We did a quad level. I put an addition on the top. Yep. And 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 what what happened was um, we had a big rainstorm and it washed all the drywall down on the bottom floor. Oh. So when we took that out. Then we there was no insulation in the house at all. So we put the insulation in on 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 on, on all the parts that were uh, exposed. Um, yes. Right. And so, and so, this is the area above that you want to no, insulate. Up above is up. No, no, it, it, it was like a tri level. Oh, I okay, see. Okay, so the, the lower level got washed away. I see. Top, I see. Top, I see. Top, top, top level. Got it. I mean, I I have no problem with the foam insulation. It's a terrific way to go. The thing is, is if you're going to hire contractors to come and do this work. You need to ask them about how are they going to ensure that the foam actually fills all the gaps. 
You know, and they may say, they may say that um, you, um, you know, well, we're going to drill several holes, sir, and then that way we'll see, and then we'll patch them. You know, like if they if they say, hey, we go up every six inches, or we go up every foot, or whatever it is, it's just you want to make sure that if you're paying for this, that they're do, as do, thorough do, as possible. Do, do, do they put the holes on the inside or the outside? Depends on the contractor. What is the exterior of your home? Vinyl siding. Yeah. With vinyl siding, many times they go, they may say, we'll pop the siding down, drill the holes, and put the siding back up. Or they go on the inside through the drywall, and then they patch it. Gotcha. But then you got to paint it all again. Correct. If they can do it from the outside, you know, they can pull down some of the siding, drill the holes, put a block or a patch on the top of that, put the siding back, no harm, no foul. Nobody even knows it's done. Um. Do you have any 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 recommendations? For I don't have a specific one in Park Forest, but I will tell you if you go to nari dot org n a r i dot o r g, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, and you type in your zip code, you should be able to find a contractor down in that area that can uh, that can do that work for you. That's a Nary member. Lee, thanks so much for the phone call. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. We're broadcasting from the Permaseal Foundation Repair Studios. We'll be back right after this. That's why I'm playing that this morning. She's We, we can't get her on the air, but she is uh, screening the calls this morning. And uh, Don and uh, Andy, you know, obviously you never want to compare sisters. No, right? you don't. But never. I mean, but, uh, you know, kind of the way that she's organizing, the way I can see the calls now, I kind of like it better. <laughs> And off you go. <laughs> Happy coincidence, huh? Isn't that funny? I mean, I don't. Of course, I never want to. I don't oh, want to compare no, Lindsay's younger side. sister to her. Never. I would never right. want to do that at no all. Way. No. Way. Uh, but uh, but the way she's got it organized, I'd kind of prefer this system right here. I kind of like it. <laughs> just like, an interesting. The, yeah, just kind of. I mean, just an observation. That's right. all. I mean, not related. No, it's not like a comparison. It's no. just like very organized. I can see. Oh, this is the one, and this is two, three. Very put together and concise and. You know, not a lot of, you know, fluff. fluff just, right. you know, there you go. It's like strictly business. She's uh, very organized. Professional. Yeah. It's a good start. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> well, ironically, um, when we go to, uh, with the listeners in April, when we're going to do the show from Dublin, still to be decided where we're going to go. But, you know, Lindsay is joining us for the broadcast, and her sister's coming with her. Mm, nice. So she's going to be, hopefully, if it all works, you know, we're going to have a microphone so that when we have listeners out in the audience, wherever we are at some pub um, or distillery to be figured out, you know, she'll be our roving reporter, which will be nice. Yeah, and you can do live comparisons. Right. Like <laughs> Exactly. Wow, she's a little quicker. She's got a little, a little more spring to her step than you. You know, something like that. So. Yep. Yep. That's. Oh, I'm going to be in so much trouble next week. <laughs> next no, week, in like ten minutes, you're going to be in right, trouble. Right. right. I'm going to get a text message any minute <laughs> right. right now. Yep. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, now back to the show. Eight five seven five five seven four Lou. Eight five seven five five seven four five six eight. This is Glenn calling in from Chicago. Hey, Glenn. Good morning. You're on House Smarts Radio. Hey. Good, good morning. Um, I got a question. I own a typical Chicago two flat plus a garden apartment and the garden tenant and the first floor tenant are complaining about noise coming from each other's unit. Is there something I can do to soundproof it? 
Unfortunately, most of the walls and ceilings, of course, are finished. So, in other words, the the garden tenant is complaining about the first floor, and the first floor is complaining about the garden. Yes, sir. I mean, look, the only way that you're going to... So, that that is the single hardest sound to attend to, that contact sound that permeates from one floor to the other. And the only yes. way that you would really effectively do it would really sort of hinder the garden apartment more. What is the ceiling height in the garden apartment? Oh, it's, it's pretty high. It's probably eight feet. It's, it's a okay. nice size. Okay. Um, yeah. So the only way, so, okay. If, 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 if money wasn't an object, okay, you would build a, You'd build a false, you'd frame a false ceiling that oh, okay. would be, that you could put over the sea. So you'd put some framing, like wall to wall, and in a perfect world, mm-hmm. it wouldn't touch the ceiling. Like it would suspend from the walls. And then you'd put a right. sheet of dry, and then you'd put a sheet of drywall on top of that, maybe even two. Mm-hmm. It's the gap between the two the firm structure and the drywall and the other ceiling that will make a, a big difference. But we're talking about a, a fair amount of expense here to do this. How yeah, many, how many yeah. rooms are in the garden apartment? One, two, three, four. Right. You know, yeah. if, if you, I mean, um, are you, let me ask you this is how long have you owned this building? Many years. Many. Okay. How many times has this come up? Uh, lately, in the last couple of years, it's been coming up on a regular basis. Right, but is this because of the current tenants that you have? Uh, yeah, and, um, you know, it's, it's hard to get people moving these days, obviously, because of the yeah. you know, right. protocol considerations in the city and the court system, et cetera, et cetera. Understood, yeah. understood. Yeah. So what about... What what about carpeting the first floor? Heavy carpet on the first floor. What's the floor in there now? Uh, I've got wood in the living room and dining room only. It's all nicely finished wood. Right. So I was thinking of putting in big area rugs, maybe. Well, I mean that will that will help, right? Um, But it's not going to. I mean, it will help. But there's no, Glenn. There's no silver bullet that I can tell you. Uh, that will work. Gotcha. And the thing is, is that, you know, it's a, it's a moment in time, right? I mean, I, I, and it's also about people's, when you're living in a multi-unit building, there's an expectation that things will be loud or things will be noisy, but also you have to be, right. people have to be mutually respectful of each other. As a landlord myself, exactly. as a landlord myself, and yeah. I've had rental properties for a very long time, you know, mm-hmm. we we set everybody's expectations right away if someone moves in about you know the basically the decorum of the property and who's there and everybody needs to be respectful of each other and and so you know that's all well and good when you say it and when everybody kind of is on the same page it works but every now and then over the years i've had the same issue where people are like oh this is crazy and blah 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 and you know you do you do the best you can, but if you've owned the property for a very long time and historically it's not been a problem and this is a moment in time, 
then you just have to obviously be mindful of the amount of money that you're going to spend to get the desired results. And, you know, if you're like, hey, I want to solve this problem once and for all, then this false ceiling double drywall thing that I'm talking about will improve it Mm -hmm. the best it will be, but it won't eliminate it 100% like you're in a, a soundproof room because you're in a building with somebody living above and somebody living below. Right. If is if if there's a possibility of me getting between the floors in a, is there something I can put in there that nothing, will lessen the sound? Nothing. Nothing. because okay. it's All that right. contact. I, it's that contact sound that is the driving it. The vibration yeah. of the sound and increasing the density Great. of that floor space won't do a thing. Great. Thank, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good me. luck. I'm sorry. It's. I know it can be a bummer. Uh, when that happens, I, I really do appreciate it. Eight five seven five five seven four Lou, John in Chicago and Chris in Chicago. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What's going on? How may I help you this morning? Uh, we have so we have a. Uh, can you get right? Can you get right in that phone, John? It's a little hard to hear you, bud. Yeah, you were in my pocket. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you. Uh, we have a. Uh, a tenant here and they're having issues with the water getting out of the um, tub or shower when they use it. And it's, it's traveled the entire length of like probably two and a half, three foot piece of drywall, but the baseboard isn't wet and it's more wet further along away from the tub than it is there and then it is nearer to the tub. So I was wondering if it is that unit or if you think it is from the tub or there's no plumbing behind the wall. There's a room. Okay, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I just want to understand. So it's a tub shower, right? Yes. And yes, sir. And it is a are they tile walls or or acrylic walls? What are they? It, they're painted walls. The wall behind the tub shower is tile, and then it's got a little plastic barrier about, uh, I would say, two inches after the end of the tub, and then it's just normal painted walls. Okay, but the shower enclosure, if I'm standing in the tub and I'm taking a shower, I've got a shower curtain or a shower door? Shower curtain. And the three walls of that area are all tile? Yes, sir. Okay. And now you said that the water or the the issue is when that person takes a shower, is using that shower, you have damage where? Not around the tub, not right next to the tub, but further away? Yeah. Well, right next to the tub is a little damage, but the drywall was pretty solid there when we were scraping it. But then further away, probably the highest damage is, I would say, a foot and a half away. Okay. Now, a, now when I'm about- now when I'm if I am if I am if I am looking down, if I'm up at the ceiling looking down at the tub shower surround, okay. I'm I'm looking yeah. down. So the shower curtain is towards me. Is the shower yeah. head and and faucet on the right or on the left? It is on the if you're in the shower. If I'm looking down from the top, if I'm looking over the shower rod looking down, right? Which way oh, okay. is the shower? It's on your left. So it's on my left. 
Okay. And you yep. said there's a, is there a little plastic thing you said to hold the water back there? No. Okay. So let's try this first because it could be, the, and, and one other question. So where that shower head is and where the valve and everything, that's where the damage, the little bit of the damaged water was? The shower head, yeah, it's on both sides a little bit of damage. Even on the back side, uh, away, like when, yeah. okay. So they yep, sell at the hardware, then, they sell at the hardware store these little corner pieces that have adhesive on the on, uh, the vertical and the horizontal, and that's like a triangle. Buy two okay. of them. Buy two of them. Because this is a problematic oh. for the shower curtain, like... It can be as simple as they're not pulling the shower curtain enough. I did. So what I did, too, I bought two um, Velcro strips, or four, and I put two on each side. So I attached it to the plastic curtain, and then I attached it to the wall. Okay. Just, like, but the, I, but know, I like think, but I, I understand, but I, so, so it, has this ever happened before? They're the first tenants. of We we remodeled two units, and they're okay. the first tenants. Okay. I want you to, uh, and then did somebody do this bathroom, or like professionally, or you did it? Uh, we hired a contractor. Okay. All right. Assuming that all the tile work is done correctly, I want you to buy one of these corner pieces for the tub. And where the, okay. and so when I'm in the bathtub, okay, and I'm looking at the shower head, you know, and I'm standing there where the tub meets the wall, um, you know, like maybe two, maybe, well, whatever that flat portion of the tub is, as close as you can get it where it's a nice flat surface on the tub, I want you to stick that piece, of, that corner piece right there by where the shower head is and do it on the same backside. So when they pull the shower okay. curtain and the water comes down, you're going to kind of angle it slightly towards the tub towards the drain. So if any water goes in there, right in that corner, it's going to drain back into the tub. These things cost just a few okay. a few dollars. And you may actually have in, to put Go ahead. I'm sorry, where where should I put it? Where where it's uh So where the tub, where the off. tub and the wall meet on yep. you know, so that curb on the tub, okay? So, yes. you know, the top of that tub's got a little flat portion. Put it right there. Yes. And so against the wall and the tub, but you're going to angle it slightly in towards the tub, right? So if the water hits it, we're going to guide the water back into the tub. Okay, perfect. And you may need to put a little bead of caulk on the inside of it, just a little clear white caulk, just nice and smooth. Okay. Let it dry, and let's test this out. Okay. And then talk to the tenants about, hey, just really make sure you pull those curtains because that's the key. Yeah. Right? Yes, definitely. Okay. All right, give it a shot. All right, I appreciate your time, Lou. You got Thanks it. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Appreciate you calling this morning as well. It's 9.30 in the morning. Let's head into the WGN newsroom and check in with Don Clep. Well, um, I have a whole house um, humidifier on my furnace. And I'm kind of, uh, I'm 78, but I've always done my own uh, DIY and trying to fix it myself and all that kind of stuff. You're so my, you're my kind would... of woman. You're my kind of woman. <laughs> it, 
Anyway, um, I was wondering whether that can be trouble uh, shooted. I know that on my old uh, unit, I did replace the solenoid. Um, but this one, the fan isn't going around, uh, and I'm wondering if there's a motor that can be replaced. Well, let me ask you, this whole house humidifier, do you happen to know the manufacturer of it? Yes, it's an April Air. Okay. Um, and have you taken the cover with the fan off? Yes. All right. Um, now, there's a couple things. Those fan force, they're like Model 700s. You know, there's a bunch of different numbers within the 700, but they have a, if you look where the motor is connected to the housing, there is a, there is a kind of, those motors can overheat and you can see that the housing gets cracked. So the first, so the first thing I want you to inspect, it's kind of a, it's, it's not a design flaw. It's just after a long period of time with all the moisture it's a plastic housing with a metal motor and when you take that cover off if you see that the housing that the motor is connected to is cracked well i don't necessarily know that i want you replacing the motor and connecting it to a cracked housing right and so then we're then we're kind of throwing good money after bad so that's the first thing to inspect now that solenoid is one of the things that turns that fan on and off. If you know that that is good, well, then we know hopefully that's not the problem. There's also a relay, though, within your furnace that controls that as well, and many times that can go bad. Or it's possible that... I'm sorry, the furnace is brand new. The furnace is brand new. Okay. Right. So it could be that the motor's bad. And But it is also possible with the motor going bad that it can backcharge that relay and blow the relay in the furnace. So I got it. Well, okay. I mean, and I, and, and, and I, listen to me, I love, Judy, that you're the go-to fix-it gal. And, <laughs> but, you know, you need, a, you need a voltage meter, and I don't necessarily know that even I don't tend to open up the furnace and start poking around in there because... You know, all the electronics, yeah. I know enough to be dangerous, but I also know, <laughs> I mean, I also know when I don't have the right tools and, quite frankly, the intricate knowledge of what happens with all those electronics. So you said yeah. the furnace is brand new, but they kept the old whole house humidifier, right? Yes, I, I didn't want to replace it because I thought that I could, I thought it was a solenoid. And I haven't tried to look and see my last one. It was just dirty, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, I haven't I haven't tried to replace it or look at it yet, and see if that's working. And if if that isn't, then I've got a replacement for it. Right. <clears throat> I can put it on. And um, so you, and then if it wait wait wait. So you already that. you already have the solenoid. You have an extra one. Yes, I do. Oh, well, then let's, for the, for giggles, why don't you just go ahead and replace it and see what happens? Well, that's what I was planning to do, but I wasn't sure uh, whether the uh, motor for the fan was replaceable. It is. But before, okay. so, okay, yeah. so in the, in the realm of, you, you know, the things you're going to try. So let's, 
Right. Let's replace the solenoid first and see what happens. Okay. If you do that and the thing works, we're golden. Great. Before you do that, I want you to pop that housing off and look to see if the housing is cracked. Right. So now if you replace the solenoid and you and it works and the housing's cracked but it's working, that's okay. Run it, you got nothing to worry about it. But if you replace the solenoid, the housing is cracked and now the next logical thing is the motor. I think we're buying a new humidifier. <laughs> Do you know how much those cost to have installed? <laughs> right there, it's about it's about eight hundred dollars. Um, right, yes, you, sir. <laughs> you, you can buy them direct um, for about three hundred. Right. Yes. Yes, I looked that up already, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I can install the electrical. I don't know that I can redo the electrical. Right. Well, and that's, then we need help. Yeah, right. Then we need help. And so, you know, okay. the thi- and so the thing is, is what's going to happen is if you go buy the unit for 300 bucks, and then you hire an HVAC person to come in there, they're going to charge yeah. you, they're going to charge you 300 bucks to do it, which I mean, you know, right. is, is fair. They have the expertise. They have to do it. Well, right. the, uh, the other thing to think about is that, if they do not supply the humidifier, okay, so let's just say yeah. down the line, let's say six months from now, that thing fails. It's a mechanical thing. It could fail, right? And it doesn't work. Right. And then they come back and say, hey, Judy, we installed this correctly. You got a faulty humidifier. You have to make a claim and you have to get the new one, whatever. If they install it and you pay them, they cover the part for you know probably a year. Right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> it's just, you I know, know how... I understand. I understand it all, but... Everything, I, goes, everything goes wrong at the same time. Uh-huh. Although I did, I did troubleshoot my garage door and got that fixed. And <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. And, hey, I have a question for you. What are you doing uh, next Saturday between 6 and 10? Because I'm, no. I'm taking next Saturday off. We could have, you could be come in and you could sit with Wendy and you could answer a bunch of questions. Oh, I don't think so, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was worth a try. I appreciate you calling. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. Have a good day. 857 Lou. 857-557-4568. This is Mike calling in from Glenview. Hey, Mike, good morning. Good morning, Lou. Thanks for taking my call, as always. Uh, we have a, sh- a shared garage wall. Uh, it's a 20-year-old townhome, and there's moisture that has uh, uh, developed significantly near the bottom. I, I'm guessing this may have been the, the second time this happened, maybe before we uh, owned it, but um, someone came out to take a look at it, and they said that they could tell there was uh, the, the higher you went, the less moisture. So it's not a roof issue. Uh, something to do maybe with there's the uh, cinder blocks or whatever's in between the walls could be leaching liquid or water from below. What to do? Well, this is a foundation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, with you know, with cinder block, the issue is that 
you know, wherever the, if the moisture, you know, comes down low as it builds up, obviously gravity works, right? And so um, maybe there was damp proofing at some point. And when it gets down to the bottom, where if you can imagine um, when they built that foundation wall, there's a footing underneath that, that brick, uh, underneath the block. And uh, if, I, if I showed you a cross section, it would look like an upside down T, okay? So that concrete, that footing is wider on both sides than the wall. So now the moisture, gravity comes down and it, you know, it doesn't go there, but it hits that footing and it kind of pools there. And then that cinder block kind of acts like a sponge and can soak it up and that's where the water comes in. So you think it's, it is the roof then? No, no, no. I think it's the ground. Okay. What what can we do uh, that's not temporary? Do you have now? Like, do, do you ever notice when it's raining? Is any water pooling on the outside at the ground level? Um, uh, not on that side. No. Okay. You want to make sure that the ground is pitched away from the house. Okay. If you have any downspouts, I mean, we're in winter. Well, it doesn't feel like winter, but we're in winter. Um, you want to make sure that any downspouts are pulled away, at least three feet away from the foundation wall to drain, right? So that no water has a chance to go there. Um, on the inside of your basement, is it finished or unfinished? Um, that underneath the garage, it is not finished. Okay. And that's where you're experiencing this water issue? Um, let me think. It's. I know it's hard to think about picturing it all. Well, I, I, I honestly don't know if, if the garage, I think the, the, uh, the, the, the finished basement, then there's a, a storage room mm-hmm. where all the equipment is. And then beyond that, it's nothing, but that's where the garage would be. I see. I see. So on the ex- I, I think that for you, I would spend a little time on the outside grading the soil, downspouts pulled away, and see if that helps to improve the issue. Okay, there, I'll look for. I'll look specifically. That's the side that we share with the neighbor. That wall. Oh, so okay, it's a town. Uh, this is a town home. Yeah, so we'd have. We definitely have to have the. You know, those association people get involved. Perhaps. Right. Perhaps. Okay. All right. Well, I, that gives me a... Uh, because uh, they're, they're otherwise, they'll just come in, replace the section uh, down near the bottom. Uh, it's about four feet. And then in, in four or five years, we, can, we would enjoy the same problem. Exactly. We need, to, we need to find the root of the problem at this point. Got it. Okay. That's great. Great advice, Lou. Good luck. I appreciate you calling this morning. 857-557-4LU. 857-557-4568. We're broadcasting from the Permaseal Foundation Repair Studios. We'll take a quick break and be back right after this. In Octavia. Hey, Dave, good morning. You're on House Smarts Radio. Hi, Lou. Uh, it's actually Batavia. Oh, Batavia. That's what I thought. Thank you. Batavia. Well, Kristen, you know, she's new. And what's very funny is that Lindsay, her sister can never spell Batavia when she puts it up on the screen. And then her sister, who doesn't live in Chicago, 
uh, said it's Octavia, and I was like, really? Like Spencer? So it's Batavia, which I know how to spell. How may I help you, Dave? Okay. Yeah, I've got a question. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law live in Batavia. They bought a house about a year and a half ago. Uh, it's got a partial basement under the, the home. There has been absolutely no water leakage in her basement, which is great. But last fall, uh, the neighbors next door had a drainage swale put in, and it tends to, I think, run right along their drive driveway. Right. I went over last. I went over last night, and after this inch or so of rain that we got, right, the carpet in the basement is wet. It's coming right in where the floor meets the wall. Uh, no problems before, and I said, well, you might end up having to do a sump pump, and I said, at the same time. Well, the the city put in this swale. Shouldn't they be liable to take care of the problem? So the city put it in. The city had a contractor put it in yeah. as part of a, you know, so and it was approved by the city. Right. Uh, I would have your daughter. Your daughter, you said. Yes. I would have her contact the village of Batavia and 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 say exactly what you just told me because whenever this kind of topography in a neighborhood happens, um, you know, th- this can be a consequence that nobody wants for whatever reason they're trying to do this. You know, something that they did. If we've never gotten water before, and now all of a sudden we get it, and it wasn't like a torrential rain. No. Right. You got to let them know. That's what bothers me. You got to let them know about that. She should take a lot of pictures, and you know, and just say, "Hey, village of Batavia, uh, city of Batavia." I think there might be some, you know, sometimes when it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck, and um, you need to let you need to let them know. Well, I had actually walked in the swale because it's like. 10 feet off their driveway. Right. And it actually goes up toward the end of the driveway, toward the, the, the street. But when it comes back down, you know, it sinks down like there's, I don't want to say a sinkhole, but a low spot. Mm-hmm. And when I walked that swale, it was dry out by the street. And the closer I got to where the low spot is, it got squishy. Yeah. And when I looked over at the yeah. house, it was directly in line with where the water was coming. Yeah, I would, I would definitely contact the village about that. Thank you so much for the phone call. We're out of time. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Don. Thanks to Andy, Bob Ferguson, Lindsay Smithwick, and Kristen Twist. We'll be back next week with more House Smarts Radio.